Our text for today comes from John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right, short and sweet today. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Uh, before we get into the message today, uh, I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to those of you who've contributed, uh, both practically and financially, to Grace Community Church in 2019. It's going to be like four or five weeks before I get that straight, right? Um, and especially to those of you who gave in our Christmas offering that we took up on the 22nd, uh, you contributed just short of $6,000 to the church, which is tremendous. Uh, yeah, and we just want to say thank you for all of that. Uh, it's inspiring uh, to see what God will do when the people of God kind of gather together to accomplish his purposes, and it's really, really good. Uh, you know, it's true in your life, I'm sure, uh, and it's true in my life, I know for sure, that the health of my family is not dependent upon how many uh, dollar signs and decimal points are in the bank account, right? Like, it's nice, but that's not the determining factor of spiritual health. And in the same way, in a church, the amount of money that one has in the bank is not dependent upon the uh, spiritual health of the church. Uh, but at the same time, God does use our participation, right? He does work through our partnership with him. Uh, to speed his kingdom, to move it out into the world. Uh, and we just wanted to say thank you for that. And headed into 2020, just to echo a little bit of what Ashley said, uh, I would want to encourage you to just bring what you have, not necessarily financially, but just practically speaking, whatever it is that you have in your hands. You know, I like to think of what God does with the raw materials of our life, our energy, our service, our money, like he puts it all together in a Vitamix that he leaves the top off, right? And so he puts all of the raw materials of our lives together, and then he kind of pushes the blend button, and it gets pressed down, and it gets shaken together, and then it runs all over everybody, right, with the lid off the blending machine. Uh, and we all stand back, and we go, what? Where did all that come from? And God just says, you gave what you had, and look what I did. I did a miracle with it. And that's just the way God works. And so as we head into this next year, I just want to tell you that whatever it is, whatever it is you think you have in your hands, whatever resource you have, whatever life you have to share with other people in this church, uh, it, bring it. Bring it to the table. And God will do a miracle with it. I'm excited to see what God will do in the year 2020. Holy buckets. That's crazy. I saw, <coughs> I saw a tweet that I shared with my in-laws, that we are now closer to 2050 than we were to 1990, which is crazy and made them feel really bad. And I, <laughs> and I felt bad about sharing that with them. But anyways, all right, all right. And in this year, 2020, we are beginning what Ashley said, the year, what we're calling the year of biblical literacy. We didn't make that up. We're kind of borrowing it from another place. But in short, we're saying that 2020, this year, is a year that we're dedicating to becoming more engaged and informed readers of the Bible. And as part of that year, we're reading through the Bible together through, uh, in tandem with the Read Scripture uh, app. You can go on your phone and you can download that, or there we have printed copies of that Bible reading plan available for you out at the coffee bar. I neglected to staple them this morning, so there's two 
there. So don't just grab one and think it's going to get you all the way through the year. You're going to start June and go, where's the rest of my scripture? And then you'll have to come back and ask us to print out another one. But the app is a really great resource if you uh, want, if you're choosing to read along with us, particularly because there are, uh, along with the readings that are broken down each day for you, uh, there's also some videos that the people who produce these videos are from an organization called The Bible Project. They produce very sound and very informative videos that help us kind of understand what it is we're reading. I don't know about you, but the Bible is a big book, and it can feel like a very foreign book to us at times, and we need some handholds to help us kind of understand what it is we're diving into. And uh, the Read Scripture app does a tremendous job of uh, framing what it is we're reading before we read it in order for, to give us some handholds so that we know where we are. Sometimes it can feel like you just got like kind of kicked into a bouncy house full of a bunch of unruly kids that you're unfamiliar with. And the Read Scripture app really helps us kind of make sense of what that is. So uh, I would encourage you to do that, but I would also say read a physical Bible um, because if you're like me and you read Scripture on your phone, it doesn't take too long before you're playing dots. It just happens. And you don't know how it happened, but it happens. So uh, so I would encourage you, uh, get a Bible, get a pen, get a notebook, and write it down. You know, this process of reading the scriptures is a kind of commitment. If you read just the three or four chapters a day in the psalm of the day that's selected uh, every day through a reading, it'll probably take you about 20-ish minutes to get through the scripture reading. Uh, that's if you don't spend any added time in prayer or contemplation. Uh, along with your scripture reading, but I promise you that the process is worth it. And as we read the scriptures together, I think there is something that happens uh, as we read the scriptures together as a community, as we're all kind of on the same treadmill, as it were. Treadmill's the wrong analogy, but you know what I mean. As we're all on the same track, uh, we're all reading the same stuff. There's a kind of energy and focus that comes along with it. So I would encourage you, if you have uh, started, congratulations. If you haven't started, there's still time. This isn't about earning God's favor, right? This, there's nothing wrong with missing a day or getting behind unless you're Mike and you can't stand it. Where did he go? He's counting, isn't he? He told me, I've read like two weeks ahead. And I was like, Mike, that's not the point. The point is to start on January 1st and read. He's like, I might miss a day. And I was like, you're two weeks ahead. <laughs> Anyways, you're diligent like Mike or you're the type of person who might miss a day here and there. It's not about uh, earning. It's not about making God like us more. It's simply about... Uh, in involving some new habits and new, some new skills and some new practices in our lives that, that we can all do together. So that's where we're headed. So uh, along with the Bible reading plan, it is really my hope that this year uh, on Sunday mornings as well, that we would dive a little bit more intentionally into the scriptures, that we would spend time learning the scriptures in a way that maybe we hadn't done before. That may sound like a funny thing to you, because we read the scriptures every Sunday, and you're like, Nick, isn't that kind of what you do? You open the Bible and you talk to us about it? Yes, I hope. Um, but this year we want to be a little bit more intentional in both seeing, uh, studying and seeing the sweep, the whole sweep and scope of scripture, but also maybe drilling down into some places in the text that might be a little bit foreign to us or a little bit odd. So we're actually going to kind of dive headlong at some of those books of the Bible that might be listed as controversial, some of those passages of the Bible that might be a little hard for us to get our minds around. Uh, we're really going to dive in this year, and I'm excited to see how that works. But for the first three or four, I'm giving myself a buffer week here, what we're really going to do is have a series of orienting messages to help us kind of understand what it is we're doing when we're reading the Bible. Does anybody have any idea what it is you're doing when you're reading the Bible? 
nobody, see, you need this. You need what I'm doing today. <laughs> Everybody, hey, I don't even know why I asked for your hand. Uh, that what we'll be talking about to the, the next couple of weeks is that. So this week we'll be talking about Jesus and the authority of the Bible. Next week, what I, what I'm really envisioning is that it will be a slightly more educational setting. We're gonna we're gonna be talking specifically about how we got the Bible, the nuts and bolts of how the book that's in front of you was written and compiled and ended up under the seat in front of you, right? This is a question that uh, is really important that very few of us actually think about. And then the next couple of weeks after that, we'll be talking about how we read the Bible as a story, as a unified story and as a whole. It becomes a really important aspect of how it is we read the Bible. So that's where we're headed uh, the next couple of weeks. And today we're talking about Jesus and the authority of the Bible. So, uh, many people refer to the Bible in different ways. There's different names for the Bible. Have you ever come across people who talk like this? Uh, some people call the Bible Holy Scripture. Some people refer to it that way. Other people simply call it the Bible the Bible. Uh, Jewish people refer to the first five books of the Bible as the Torah. Um, also, they refer to the whole of the Bible. You might have heard this, uh, the whole of the Bible, the Law and the Prophets, and all of the little bits in between as the Tanakh is a way that Jewish people refer to the, all of the Old Testament. But one of the ways that we refer to the scriptures or to the Bible very often when we talk about both Old and New Testament together is we call it the Word of God. Has anybody heard this before? Raise your hand. See, you can raise your hand about this. This is good. The Word of God. It sounds very authoritative, doesn't it? The Word of God. And uh, the name carries a kind of this idea of authority, right? If you said, if you came to me and you said, Nick, you need to do something. And I said, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. And you said, Nick, your dad said you have to do it. I would go, okay, okay, Brad wins all the time. I do whatever Brad wants me to do. And in the same way, the, the, the calling the scriptures the word of God carries a kind of authority along with it. Uh, if, and if the Bible is the word of God, it, if, it, if it is the words of God to us, if it is God's special communication to us, then it does carry some semblance of authority with it, doesn't it? And the other idea that I think is kind of in, inherent in this idea of the, calling the scriptures the word of God is this idea that maybe God literally just spoke the, his words to someone and then somebody like a court stenographer, right, just wrote it down, right? Inherent in this idea of the word of God. And very often when we talk about the scriptures as the word of God, these are kind of the conceptions that run through our heads. We, we hear the Bible called the word of God and we associate a kind of authority with it. Ashley and I just got done with The Mandalorian. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Uh, it's a good thing. Just live with it. Uh, and there's a character who, after he, any, he says anything, always says, I have spoken, right? He's, if you've seen it, it's funny. Uh, he says, get me a glass of water, I have spoken, or something like that. Um, it's this final, it's this declarative, it's like a period at the end of every sentence. It's this declarative statement, I have spoken, and when I hear the scriptures called the word of God, I kind of think of it like that. I feel it's like a period at the end of a sentence. You hear people say this sometimes too, right? In the word of God, it says blank. And when I hear that, and maybe it's this, the skeptic in me, I always ask, yeah, it's the word of God, but what does Jesus have to say about that? Sounds like a strange question, but that's kind of always the thing that goes through my head. Y yeah, that's the word of God, and you've made a declarative statement, but... What does Jesus have to say about that? 
Now, I don't have a problem calling the Bible the word of God. I don't have a problem with it at all. I believe uh, with all of my heart that the Bible is God's special communication to us, that it's the most important book the world has ever seen. Uh, it's a book that I've spent the last, well, 15, 20 years of my life, de I've dedicated my life to studying it. But sometimes when we call the Bible the word of God, there's something pops up that gets a little bit confusing, a little bit confusing. And that is that uh, the Bible does not refer to itself as the word of God. It's not self-referential in that way. The Bible actually calls someone else the word of God. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. I'll show you this. In John's Gospel, he begins by talking about the Word of God. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Well, that's interesting, right? He is the word of God. Now turn uh, in your Bibles a little further into the New Testament to the book of Hebrews. If you get to the book of James, you've gone too far. To the very opening statement in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says this in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. He says this, in the past... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things and through whom also he has made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word, by his word. Now, both of these passages in Scripture speak about God's Word, but they're not talking about the Bible specifically. They're not talking about Scripture specifically, are they? And the question we have to ask ourselves when we read this is, what are they referring to? What are they talking about? This is a rhetorical question. You can answer it if you want. Jesus, correct. <laughs> right? Close, Carol. Really close. Uh, same thing, right? It's talking about Jesus, correct? Jesus, uh, Jesus, in these passages, is referred to by Holy Scripture as the Word of God. Actually, in this Hebrew passage in particular, it tells us that Jesus is what God has to say to the world, right? That if God wants to communicate about himself, if he has one form of communication that he's using to tell the world about himself, the, thing, the person who's doing that is Jesus. Jesus is what God has to say. Jesus is kind of like a living word to humanity from God, which is a kind of strange idea, isn't it, when you think about it? Because if you were like me, you grew up in and around church where you are used to people saying that the Bible is God, God's word and the Bible carries God's authority, correct? I'm scaring people here. Uh, the Bible is what God has to say to the world. Right? This is what we hear. And those people are not wrong. They are not wrong. But when the Bible itself talks about God's authority and where that authority resides, it talks about Jesus. Does this make sense? Actually, in the pages of Scripture, Jesus says the very same thing about himself 
So this is not, Jesus says these same words. After his resurrection, right before Jesus is about to give his disciples the great commission, right, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, this is what he says. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Fascinating, isn't it? And we see in the scriptures Jesus exercising his authority to speak for God, in effect telling his audience that he is the authoritative interpreter of scripture. Over and over and over again, Jesus gets in these kind of debates with people in his day about what the scriptures say, and Jesus is always affirming his authority to determine what the scriptures are actually saying. He is the ultimate interpreter of scripture. It's not that Jesus downplays the importance of Scripture. It's not that he moves past any of the Scripture or says that things in the Old Testament are not important. That's not what he says at all. He actually elevates the importance of Scripture, especially the Old Testament, which is obviously the only thing he was referring to when he was talking about Scripture. But, he is, but what he is doing is tying the Scriptures in some really unique way to himself. This is interesting. And we see this very clearly in our teaching text for today. So if you have your Bibles, again, you can turn back to the Gospel of John, to chapter 5 of John. And a little context here is really, really important. So in chapter 5 of the book of John, it begins with Jesus healing a man at a pool. And this man had been waiting around this pool to get healed, and Jesus walks up to him and says, okay, I'm just going to take care of this. You don't have to get in the pool. And he heals the guy, and he gives him this really important um, task to do. He says, Take, after he had healed him, he says, take up your mat and walk, go, do something, right? Get out of here, whatever he says to him. And so the guy does it. Obviously, he's just been healed by Jesus. He's just been moved from the status of a paraplegic to a person who can walk perfectly well. And he takes up his mat and he goes and walks. And the religious leaders in Jesus' day, probably Pharisees or teachers of the law, these men see this man walking with his mat, and they know that he, had been, he has been healed by Jesus, but they're not interested in the healing. What they're interested in is that this man is carrying his mat on the Sabbath, which if you're familiar with, uh, with, the, with Sabbath rules in the first century, this was something that was not allowed. You weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath, and there were all kinds of rules and regulations around what you could or could not do on the Sabbath. And these uh, teachers of the law see that this man is carrying his mat, and they get mad at Jesus for healing him and telling him to do work on the Sabbath. This is what they're mad at him about. And then Jesus, for all of chapter 5 of John's gospel, and and the teachers of the law kind of get into this back and forth about what it is that is actually happening here, and who has the authority to do what in the story. They get into this very long kind of conversation. Uh, And it's amazing to me what Jesus says to them about about the scriptures and about what is or is not allowable. They really just get in a Bible debate is is what they're in the middle of. And who has the authority to determine from the scriptures what people should or should not do with their lives? This is the essentially the conversation that Jesus is in the middle of. And the And Jesus, in the middle of this, actually towards the end of this conversation with this group of people, says 
this in our teaching text for today in verse 39. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. See Jesus tying the scriptures to himself in some unique way here? You see, what Jesus says here is that the religious leaders were using the scriptures, but they were not using them rightly. Correct? They were actually using the scriptures uh, in a way that was inappropriate. They actually missed the point of the scriptures entirely. They missed Jesus. And what this passage tells us is that it's possible to know the Bible, to know it well, like these religious leaders, and to not know the word of God. Right? Because one of the most effective ways to hide from Jesus is like this. Thanks, Jesus. Yeah, okay. I'm reading the Bible right now. Okay, yeah. Uh. Right? Those, those were guttural noises that I make when I read the Bible. It's a very effective way to hide from Jesus, the Bible. And people do it all the time. It sounds silly, doesn't it? But it happens all of the time. It's possible to read the Bible, to, like these religious leaders, to have the entirety of the scriptures memorized and yet miss Jesus. People do it all the time. It happens throughout, it's happened throughout history. The Nazis quoted scripture, right? And they used it to their own advantages. Slaveholders uh, wielded the scriptures to justify what they're doing. Religious zealots use uh, scripture like a weapon, believing it's okay to bomb abortion clinics, right? This happens all of the time. I was listening to a podcast this week, and there, <laughs> this is a good one, and there are people now using the Old Testament and some of the passages that seem to, that talk about polygamy that occurred in the Old Testament. If you're reading the Old Testament, you've already, with us, you've already run across that in the Old Testament, and they're using those passages to support the appropriateness of their polyamorous relationships, Right? People will use the scriptures for all kinds of reasons. Both liberals and conservatives do this. We use the Bible to support our agendas. The religious leaders that Jesus was addressing in this passage were very conservative, right? Very conservative. They made it their mission to follow uh, the Bible down to the letter. That's what they were attempting to do. And yet, in their slavish devotion to the scriptures... They missed Jesus. They missed him. And I see this all the time in religious settings, even in our day, when people adopt overly moralistic gospels, attempting to follow the scriptures, but don't see the, the gospel of grace that is exemplified in the person of Jesus. Or people who begin to draw lines and judge other people. You know, the truth of the matter is, people make these mistakes all the time. One of the mistakes that I see people making is that they cling so tightly to individual passages of the Scripture that they almost seem to begin to make something like a promise of, script, of Scripture that is meant to define God's character as a little kind of magic talisman that if I just recite to myself over and over and over again, my life's going to be good, right? You see people do this. An example of this is Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Didn't you know this? I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. But we cling to those scriptures like they're kind of magic incantations, and we don't understand that they were meant to point us to the person of Jesus. It's not by reciting a passage or a promise over and over and over again that your life is going to be good. 
That's not the point of the scriptures. Jesus says quite clearly, the point of the scriptures is to drive us to Jesus. Not to simply, <laughs> not to simply make us feel good when we're sad. Right? Like, we very often use the scriptures this way. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this, it has massive implications for the way Christians read the scriptures as well. It really does. It, it means that the way we read our Bibles is kind of from the middle out. Does that make sense? From the middle out. When we read our Bibles, Jesus is meant to be our kind of interpretive key. He's the lens through which we read our Bibles. He's the decoder ring. I don't know. Whatever you want to say. Biblical scholars call this a Christocentric hermeneutic. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, hermeneutic is simply a big word that just means how we interpret the scriptures, right? How we interpret the Bible. And any interpretation or use of the Bible that does not lead us back to Jesus, it does not make us more like Jesus, does not, uh, does not strengthen our relationship with Jesus, is an inaccurate interpretation of the scriptures. It is. Now, practically, what this means for me is that the Bible, this means is that the Bible is not a flat text. Now, this might take a little bit of brain power, but the Bible is not a book where all of the words have the same, are, are weighted the same. Does this make sense? All, okay, <laughs> I'm getting into trouble. It's not a flat text. Not every word that occurs in the Bible isn't weighted the same. It doesn't have the same importance. Rather, it all needs to be seen through the lens and the interpretation and the teachings of Jesus. Does this make sense? It's very, very important for Christians to see the Bible this way. And this, is, uh, and this is especially important as we read the Old Testament. And it's actually really helpful when we read the Old Testament. Because you will run into things as you read through, particularly the first five books of the Bible, and really everything, all the, the stories and the laws and the prophets and all of it, you will, read, you will run into stuff in that that is uncomfortable, that will make you go, what in the world just happened? Like, why did God do that? We have already got through the flood narrative, right? And we're going, what? God made water come up out of the ground and down from the sky and everybody died? What is going on? This is quite strange. It is. But reading the scriptures with a Jesus lens in a Christocentric way helps us to kind of read these things with an eye towards what they mean in, in, in and through the lens of Jesus. It really does. Jesus becomes this way that we can see the Bible more clearly. And if we constantly ask the question, as we, as we come across difficult texts, where can I see Jesus in this? What, what about this is pointing to Jesus? It clears up, I found, a lot of the difficulty. Because Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is what God has to say to us. Jesus is the authoritative and inerrant word of God. He really is. And just so that you don't think I'm just flying off the handle here. Uh, I'll quote a scholar uh, who I think is reliable. Uh, N.T. Wright says it this way, when we take the phrase, the authority of Scripture, we recognize that it can have Christian meaning only if we were, are referring to Scripture's authority in a delegated or mediated sense from that which God himself possesses and that which, God, and that which Jesus possesses as the risen Lord. 
if uh, our musicians could come up, that'd be great. You see, if we're reading Scripture well, what they do perfectly, what they do perfectly is point us to Jesus. That's the whole point. That's what Jesus says in, in John. And in our year of biblical literacy, it is my hope that we wouldn't just learn to read the Bible, that we wouldn't just learn some interpretive tricks, that we wouldn't just get some more insight into the context of the first century or any of that stuff, though that stuff is good, and it does take some time and some skill and some intention to be a good reader of the Bible. It does take a little effort, but I hope we get that. I hope we do that, but that's not ultimately my hope. It's not ultimately what I hope that we accomplish through this year. My hope is that uh, we would grow in our, devo- in our devotion, in our discipleship to the person of Jesus. And that as we read the scriptures together, we would use them for their intended purpose, which is to drive us to Jesus. That, that they would lead us to the person of Jesus. That they would cause our hearts to be filled with awe and love for Jesus. That our minds would be like blown by all the crazy connections and all of the ways that this entire corpus of scripture, this huge uh, uh, a mass of books written across thousands of years in at least three languages, that all of it in its own way points to the person of Jesus. And we would allow that to transform us. This is what it means to read the Bible well. This is what it means. It's not, it's not supposed to be a key that unlocks your life, right? And so then you have a million dollars. It's not supposed to be uh, just something that helps us uh, in, in a dark time, though it is that. It is meant to be this tool that we use to see Jesus well, to see him well in the midst of our lives, to be constantly drawn back to the story of God that reaches its climax in the person of Jesus. And the place that that should have in each and every one of our hearts. This is what the scriptures do. And too often, too often, we allow the script, we allow the Bible or some of our beliefs about the Bible to keep us away from Jesus, which is weird, I know, but it's true. And if we don't keep Jesus at the center of our Bible reading, we go off, we get wonky in all kinds of ways. And because this book is so important, Because so many people for so many thousands of years have read it, because it's been translated over and over and over again into a myriad of languages in the world, we all kind of take for granted that we, what it is and what it's supposed to do, its actual purpose in our lives. And it does have a purpose. Its purpose is uh, is to point us to Jesus, to help us to love Jesus more to help us to love other people in the name of Jesus more, to help us to lean into his mission for the world. This is what the purpose of the Bible is. There's a reason that we have it, and there's a reason we read it. There's a reason we dedicate our lives to understanding it more. Would you stand with me? So uh, as we close uh, today, I'd just like to pray over you. In just a moment, we're going to have uh, our prayer team come forward. If, if you have anything you want to pray about, uh, anything that's on your heart, they'd love to partner with you in prayer. But as we're just here this morning, uh, as we begin the year 2020 together, maybe we can just take uh, a moment to, de- to dedicate ourselves to the reading of the scriptures afresh and anew and to, and to doing that in such a way as that it points us to Christ. 
that uh, it's not about earn, that reading the Bible isn't about earning God's favor. That if you miss a day of Bible reading, it's not like God's mad at you or that you're God off on something or you know. But rather, the reason we read the scriptures is simply because they point to Jesus, and we want to be Jesus people. That's all it is. That's all it is. So let's pray, shall we? Father, we love you. And we pray that as we uh, set off on this journey of reading the scriptures this year, of learning more about the scriptures, of becoming more biblically literate people, God, that you would help us to not get uh, off track. You would help us to not get sidetracked. You would help us to not read the scriptures just as another check mark on our to-do list, God, but rather that as we dive into the scriptures, you would help us to do it all focused on Jesus. Would you, would every day that we pick up the scriptures, would we be driven back to the person of Jesus? Would we read the scriptures through the lens of Jesus so that we could love him more? God, we just pray that as we continue this year of biblical literacy, that you would form us into a people whose hearts are are sensitive to the word of God, who are sens- that are sensitive to the moving of the spirit and are sensitive to the direction of Jesus in our own lives. We pray, God, that you would do that for us, that you would, that you would uh, remind us of that, that none of this, none of, none of the effort we put forward would be about earning your favor or being quote-unquote good, but rather, God, that we would all all of us take another step or two this year towards the heart of God in the person of Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the gift of the scriptures. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who changes our lives. And we pray that you would just, man, would we drive back to the source afresh and anew this year to the person of Jesus. And we pray it all in that name. Amen. And amen and amen. If our prayer team could come, a few members of our prayer team could come forward. Um, if you're in this place today and you have, you're, you're burdened, you're, you kind of got a heavy heart today, they would love to pray with you. Uh, we make them available pretty much every service as just an opportunity for anybody who wants to receive prayer. Uh, our musicians will play for a few minutes as we go today. And, uh, and uh, the, our prayer team would love to pray with you. All right? All right. So if you want to come forward for prayer, you're free to do that. If not, go today in the grace and in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.